Please stand with me as we uh, read the uh, passage of Scripture that I'm going to be preaching on today. It's Matthew chapter 28. It's in your pew Bible, verse, uh, cha- page 835. This is the whole chapter. We're going to read the last chapter of Matthew. And this is uh, a very important passage of Scripture as we come to the whole idea of missions, missions in a changing world, and uh, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And the fear of him at the and the fear for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men but the angel said to the woman do not be afraid for i know that you seek jesus who was crucified he is not here for he has risen as he said come see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold he is going before you to galilee there you will see him See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee and there they will see me. When they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a significant sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, he will, that we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews unto this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of the mouth, my mouth and the meditations of my heart bring glory to you. And may they be clear and may I be able to articulate, Father, the words that you have put on my heart from this passage in Matthew. Thank you, Lord for your word. Thank you for these words that Matthew recorded. Thank you, Lord, for this story of your resurrection that again encourages us. Lord, I just pray, Father, that these words would sink into our hearts and minds and that you would get the glory. In your holy name, amen. And I forgot to say, this was the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his word. So some of you might be thinking, well, I know this passage, uh, verses 16 to 20, that's, that's the Great Commission. 
And many of us have heard of the Great Commission, commission, great commission. especially those of you who have been attending church from, for some time, have probably heard the Great Commission used as the theme for many missionary presentations and many missionary conferences. I know I, I have. I've been a Christian for 60 years, and I've heard the Great Commission used in missions uh, presentations and missions conferences over and over. And this passage is often used to justify why we have world missions today. The purpose of missions is to fulfill the Great Commission. That's basically why we do what we do in missions. And although this is a very familiar passage to some of us, its significance can never be worn out. Its words contain pivotal truths, pivotal to the gospel and to our faith today. So this is the Great Commission and the verses that come before it are extremely important to our Christian faith. In fact, as we use this passage to uh, justify world missions, we can go back into the Bible and we can see an unbroken chain of verses from Genesis to Revelation that speak about God's purpose for the nations, God's desire that all nations come into faith with Him. We can go back, for example, to the book of Genesis, to the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord promises to Abraham, He says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham would be blessed and become a great nation. Why? So that the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. And as we know from scripture and as we know from history, the great nation that Abraham became, the Israelites, thought that the blessing was just for them. And uh, they, they considered the other nations as Gentiles and Gentile dogs. And they didn't fulfill that uh, calling of being a blessing to other nations. But we know that that promise of God was fulfilled because Jesus came through the Israelite nation. And through him, all nations of the world are being blessed even to this day. Moving forward in scripture, we can hit upon Psalm, chapter, uh, uh, Psalm 67. And Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power to all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Again, we read that God's grace and blessing and grace bestowed upon his people are for a purpose. That is, his saving power will be known upon all nations, resulting in all people praising God. Then Jesus turns up on the scene in the New Testament. He says to disciples, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, uh, we read in chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All tribes, 
peoples and languages. So it's amazing how, how Scripture here and through Revelation gives us an insight into the end game of missions. This is what missions is all about. Revelation chapters 7 verses 9 and 10 are the fulfillment of what we are doing in missions, both personally in our own lives and as organizations. So I've only picked out four examples from Scripture, but it's an interesting study. You can go from Genesis to Revelation just seeing God's purpose for the nations in the Word of God. So what does this mission of God for the world mean to us who have become his followers and received his salvation? It means that our salvation is not just for ourselves. Life's blessings are not just for us alone. Our salvation is for service. And the last chapter of Matthew amplifies that reality of why we have received our salvation. So as we use the Great Commission to support the cause of missions, we might think of it as an isolated event. Jesus is about to return to heaven, so he gives one final command to his disciples before he goes. But the weight, the power, and the authority behind the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 is provided by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So let's back up a little bit to the beginning of the chapter where we find two women on their way to visit the tomb of Jesus. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, where you, there, there you will see him. See, I have told you. So Mary Magdalene is no stranger to us. She was there uh, at the crucifixion. She was there as they were laying Jesus in the tomb. And now she's there again on the way to the tomb to visit Jesus, to visit the tomb. Frederick Bruner says that these words from the angel, he is not here for he has risen as he said, are among the most important words in the gospel. These words validate the claims of Jesus Christ. He is not here honors the bodily resurrection of Christ. For if Jesus had only been spiritually raised, as some people believed at the time, and even some people believe today, then the angel would have said, he's not here, he's everywhere. You know, we can deconstruct the teachings of Christ. We can deconstruct the claims that he made. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you know me, you know the Father, because the Father and I are one. We can, we can deconstruct those teachings, uh, we can uh, doubt those teachings, but the principles of this, the gospel, the principles of the faith are immutable, they're unchangeable. Jesus is not in the tomb, he is risen, as he said. And there's many people today that are sort of coming up with a designer religion. I talk to people and they've kind of taken something from here and they've taken something from here, something from the faith of the, of the church, of, the, of, of, uh, of evangelical teaching, and they've kind of put something together. That's their own faith. It's their own religion. Or there's this whole idea now of, of deconstruction. 
And I can understand uh, evaluating what you believe, checking into what you believe, and thinking about your faith and, and evaluating that. But if you take away and deconstruct and, and remove the teachings of Jesus, then what are you left with? You're left with yourself as God, or you're left with the gods of the world. And the gods of the world are harsh. And uh, there's nowhere where you will find the love and the mercy uh, of Jesus Christ, nor the authority that he possesses as the resurrected Christ, seated right now at the right hand of the Father. The angel also instructs the women. He says, go and tell the disciples. This wonderful angelic revelation and good news was not given to these women just to be kept to themselves in the secret of their hearts for their own personal comfort and their own personal joy, to comfort them after their terrible uh, sense of, of loss of seeing Jesus crucified. Matthew Henry says that public usefulness to the others must be preferred before the pleasure of secret communion with God ourselves. This message that the women received was to be shared with, women, with others. And these two women were the first commissioned messengers of the resurrection sent by the angels to tell the disciples. Notice also the angel says, then go quickly. I don't think he was afraid that they were going to dawdle on their way to see the disciples or maybe stop for coffee and croissants as the bakery opened that morning. The resurrection is not only amazing and wonderful, it's also urgent. There is no time to waste. We have a changing world today, and we, we see so many things changing around us all the time. And a lot of people are saying, well, it must be the end times. Uh, we, must be, we must be nearing the end. Well, even if Jesus delays another 100, another 200 years, the fact that our world is changing so fast and people's minds and hearts are getting further and further from the principles and truths of the gospel, we don't have any time to waste. We have to reach these people now, today, uh, with the gospel before it's too late. And sometimes in ministry work, we act as if we have no resources and we have all the time in the world. When in reality, God's word teaches us that Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills and, and time is short. We don't have a lot of time. Jesus said in John 9 verse 4, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. So we have an urgency as well to the message of the gospel. And the effective mission enterprises in the world today were launched by men and women of vision and action who took risks for the gospel, trusted their calling, and believed that God would supply their needs. So not only were the women told that Jesus had risen, but the angel also informs them that Jesus is going ahead into Galilee. And Frederick Bruner comments, the resurrection message is not only that Jesus has been snatched from the world of the dead, it also says that he is in preparing an important encounter for the living. And this encounter is about to change the lives of his disciples and impact all Christians through the ages, even to this present day, even to this ever-changing world. So as they hurry along their way to tell the disciples, Jesus meets the two women in verse 9, and he says to them, greetings. And I find, it, I find that kind of strange, you know. He, he meets these women, and he just says, greetings. I, I heard uh, a Sunday school 
little girl in Sunday school one time was asked what he, they, she thought Jesus said to the women. And she thought for a minute and she went, ta-da! <laughs> I think greetings, this is kind of like, I don't know, maybe that's how, they, how they, the, the writer thought about a recorder. Maybe he just said greetings. But this Jesus that the women meet is a totally, is, he's the same Jesus but he's a changed Jesus. He's not the same Jesus that they knew. This is the Jesus that has overcome the grave and has received uh, victory over sin and conquered death. And uh, he's, he's a totally different Jesus than they knew before. The risen God-man allows the women to worship him, but just like the angel, he sends the women on their mission just as he does today with everybody who meet him. Everyone who has encountered Christ in their life has a mission. Every one of us. So with that as a background, let's move into Galilee and pick up the story in Matthew verse 16. And in verse 16 we read, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now there's a really important passage in Scripture that I think is, is really um, important to read at this time of, as, as we look at the Great Commission. And it's in Daniel uh, chapter 7, verse 14. It's Daniel's son of man vision. And uh, for sake of time, I'll just read it here. And it says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is a prophetic vision of uh, what would happen to Jesus I believe after he had victory over, the over death and the cross, after his resurrection, it was a prophetic vision of what the Son of Man would receive. And Matthew's account, the Great Commission, is a fulfillment of that vision. Jesus declares to his disciples that he is the victorious authority and in total control of heaven and the cosmos. He commands them to move out, disciple, baptize, and teach. He assures them that they have his support for all time. There's no reason to doubt and there's no reason to hesitate. Frederick Bruner also illustrates that there are two concrete ways that disciples disciple. One, disciples move out, live and talk with people until people believe and seek baptism into the triune God. I'll, I'll repeat that again. Disciples move out and live and talk with people until people believe and seek baptism into the triune God. And I'd like to add that they move out down the hall, across the street, across town, or around the world. Disciples live and talk in such a way that they teach all of Jesus' commands. And secondly, yeah, secondly, disciples live and talk in such a way that they teach all of God's commands, Jesus' commands. Disciples live in obedience to Jesus' mission command, mission command to evangelize and to educate. 
They are the persons promised Jesus' constant and ever-empowering presence. That's what disciples are. That's what we are called to be, disciples. And how do we, how do we uh, carry on missions in, in today's world, in today's ever-changing world? I've been really amazed and really encouraged lately as I look at young people coming into the work of missions. In Transworld Radio, we have an a internship program for young people in, in university who, who want to do a summer internship. This is a, it's a very uh, sought-after program. It's very competitive to get into our inter- internship program. The result is that the interns that we've been getting are incredibly quality pe- young people. These are people with a calling on their life. These are people, young people who are engineering uh, graduates, so they're about to graduate from engineering, data scientists, uh, computer science people, accounting people, people who are videographers and, uh, and media producers, communicators. These young people are incredible talent. And I look at that, that, those young people and I think, God must have a plan for Transworld Radio or must have a plan for missions because many young people are being called into missions today. Some of these young people have raised their full support to work in our carry office. And it's really difficult to raise support as an American to be a missionary in America. And I look at the fervor and the commitment of these young people, and I have hope for the future. So what are we as leaders, what is our role in in all of this? Well, our role is to enable those young people, to encourage those young people, to take the obstacles, remove the obstacles away from them so that they can carry out their, their vision, so that they can carry out the calling that God has put on their lives, so that they can own the vision and they can own the ministry. So that's what I do as a leader, is I try and remove the obstacles so that the young people can re- re- achieve their potential and fulfill the calling that God has put into their hearts. I'd just like to finish up um, this thought about the Great Commission and being Great Commission Christians with a quick story about uh, a situation that I've gotten involved in recently. And that is in the country of Suriname amongst a, an indigenous tribal people called the Wayana. And there's a neighboring tribe called the Trio People. And Transworld Radio has gotten into a project with them. And I've gotten into the middle of that. Now, back in 1961, a missionary called Ivan Schoen, he decided to... Actually, he, got, he was called in 1956 when the Alka Indians were murdered by... I'm sorry, the five missionaries were murdered by the Alka Indians in Ecuador. And Ivan Schoen saw that headline in the New York Times and decided that he was going to be a missionary and go minister to people in the Amazon area. So he quit his job, and in 1961, he and his family, along with four other families, they decided that they were going to go into the interior of Suriname and try and make contact with an unreached, unevangelized, uncontacted, really, people group called the Wayana. And so the mission board that they went out with was very, very small. And all their friends and even people in the mission said, don't take your children, it's too dangerous. But they decided to take their wives and kids. And they went down into the interior, they went in canoes, and uh, they set up camp near the village of the Wayana people. And the Wayana people had a council because they saw this canoe go by with white people. And they had a council that night, and they said, so what should we do about these missionaries, or these, these white people who came down the river? And a lot of the, the, the elders of the, chief, uh, of the tribe said, we need to kill them. 
And somebody else said, well, uh, they, caught, they brought their women and children with them, so they can't be on a warring mission. Uh, let's just wait it out and see what they want. Eventually, the Shones were able to make contact with the people, learn their language, and through a series of miracles, the chief of the village came to Christ, also one of the uh, very influential witch doctors. After the Shones were able to learn enough of the language, they presented the gospel, and about 95% of that tribe, along with the neighboring trio tribe, came to Christ and, uh, and, and became believers. Ivan Schoen organized them into elders, a system of elders, and, and uh, they organized the church, they established a church. They brought in uh, some teachers and they t had a Bible school. They gave them theological education. And uh, the, the, the trio and the Wayana people flourished. Now, Ivan would, uh, they would go on hunting trips and there was a section of the jungle that the Wayana refused to go in. They said, we can't go into that area of the jungle. And Ivan said, well, we haven't gone there before. There's probably a good game there. They were hunter-gatherers. And they said, uh, let's go up. He said, let's go up there and see if there's game. They said, no, no, we can't. Finally, he got to the bottom of it. They said there's a people up there called the Akurio. And the Akurio are 10 feet tall. They have white skin. Their bows are as thick as your leg. And they're very fierce. We'll die. And so Ivan said, well, if you didn't have the gospel, would you want someone to risk their life to come and bring you and tell you about Jesus? And they said, yeah, okay, yeah. So Ivan said, okay, we need to go tell them about Jesus. And they said, okay, we'll go, but we're going to die. And uh, he said, well, okay, we have to take that risk. And so they went and they began searching for the Akurio. And after 10 years of searching, they found them. They weren't 10 feet tall. They were little people. They did have white skin because they kept uh, their entire time under the canopy, uh, the jungle canopy. They didn't like open spaces. They were afraid of water, so they wouldn't go near the rivers. And that was why they were so hard to find. And they were nomadic people, constantly on the move. Well, they had some people with them who uh, spoke a language similar to the, the, the trio people, could speak their language. And uh, they had those people move in with them and, uh, and teach them the gospel, brought the gospel. They later brought in vaccines, vaccinated them, and then brought them and assimilated them into their uh, trio and Wayana villages. It's because there was only 70 of them left, and they were committing suicide under oppression from the evil spirits. The men would throw themselves out of high trees, and the women were impaling themselves on bamboo poles under the pressure of oppression from the evil spirits. Anyways, today the Akurio have been assimilated into the Wayana and Trio tribes, and most of them have become believers as well. So why do I tell that story? Because that story, or that incident of looking and searching for the Akurio people taught the Wayana and the Trio what it means to be Great Commission Christians. Because today, the Shones, the missionaries have left. There's no missionaries there amongst them. The, the church continues. The elders continue to teach the people and disciple the people. And not only that, they go on mission trips. They go on long journeys into the jungle, seeking out other tribal people that are uncontacted and bringing them the gospel of Jesus. They've been going down into Brazil and uh, taking like a back door into, the, into the, to those nations, those people that are down there south of the border. Because Funai, who is the, um, the indigenous uh, government organization, is trying to keep missionaries out 
of the jungle areas, the indigenous areas of Brazil. But the Wayan and the trio are going into the back door. In fact, recently they just came back from a missions trip. They took three canoes uh, full of families and, they, and, they, and elders, and they took five months, and they went down into Brazil. They're hunter-gatherers. They don't have jobs and responsibilities like we do. They don't need to take a lot of stuff with them because they kill monkeys and, and fish uh, along the way to feed themselves, and they go on missions trips. They came back just about a month ago, and uh, 129 people gave their hearts to Christ and were baptized and they established nine churches during that, that one missions trip. And this is happening without missionary, white missionaries. Complete. We, we find out from them what they are doing. But this is what it means to be a Great Commission Christian. Uh, someone who was unreached, did not know Jesus, now taking that message to those who, others who are unreached and giving them the message of Christ. And if the Wayana and Trio people of the, of the jungle can do that, Without the support and the, and the worship team systems and all the stuff that we have, then uh, we can as well. So let's not forget the words of the angel. Go quickly and tell. Or the commands of Jesus, therefore go. We are called to be more than believers. We're also called to be disciples. We're called to be Great Commission Christians and take missions into a changing world.